You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast with your hosts, Robert Gowan, Rudy Lindsay, Mike Pritz, and Kat Kalin. Hey everyone, it's Robert here. Today, Mike Pritz and I were joined by Jason R. Dickinson to talk about the topic of resilience. You may recall Jason R. Dickinson if you follow us on any of our social media, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, or anything like that. I've shared several of his posts. One of those most recently was the one where he was describing his second phase of the third phase of Ranger School and the climb up Mount Yona. And of course, uh, he described about how he was following the individual in front of him, and that was the main thing that kept him going. And at the end of the hike, he ended up finding out that the individual in front of him only kept going because he heard Jason's footsteps behind him. As I mentioned, we're going to get into the topic of resilience, embracing the suck, and understanding how to overcome failure for sure. But be sure also to go out and check out SkeletonOptics.com and use the code MentorsForMail to pick you up a pair of those Italian frames and Carl Zeiss polarized lenses. So sit back, relax, grab a chair. It's time to go ahead and listen to another episode. I think you're talking about the Railhouse. Is that Railhouse? Yeah, they're still around. Got a growler up there from Railhouse. Somebody gave me, but it's yeah. been so many years uh, since I've been out Pinehurst. I stayed in Pinehurst. I think I was a branch guy in 2006. And I stayed out there with some friends and then um, went out and did a visit with SFAS at Camp McCall. Mm-hmm. And I haven't, and it's been so long. It's been, what, nine years since then. So, Yeah, this place is, uh, I mean, I was here in 2010 and then obviously I just came back um, this year. I, I, late late October last year is when I got here and it was wildly different. Um, the growth here is amazing. Really? For such a small town. Yeah, yeah. It's You wouldn't recognize a lot of it. Yeah, since they put in that bonefish. Once they put in bonefish, everybody comes in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. When I was out there, all they had was apple <laughs> Place. No good. I mean, there were local restaurants, right? There's local restaurants yeah. in Platthurst and in Southern Pines, but yeah, Bonefish though. That's a isn't that a chain like along? It with... is. Okay. Yeah, yeah it, is. it is. Aren't they? Well, uh... Kmart Kmart closed. Bonefish came in, and Southern Pines shut up. Oh, so you upgraded? Okay, from Kmart. Yeah, yeah got you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of some of the stuff downtown though. River Jack is River Jack still downtown? I don't think so. It was a little out out. Sporting outdoors type stuff, hiking, backpacking, kayaks, things like that. Like mini REI, but local. It could be. I'm I'm still using like navigation apps to find stuff around here, so I'm definitely not the guy to ask. <laughs> I use Waze all the time. That's the best. Yeah, yeah. I'm Wazing everywhere. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I tried to do it last. I, I tried to go without it last night, and I ended up taking the wrong turn. I got pissed at myself. I was trying to go get some pizza, and I was, you know, off by a couple roads. I'm like, motherfucker. Yeah, that's when you call pizza. That's when they deliver, yeah. Jason. Yeah, I mean, we we tricked them to delivering to us before, but they're starting to catch on. They were just outside their their delivery range, uh, but they they didn't. It took them a while to figure that out, you know. Yeah. So we were riding that train for a little while. Man, I love your post on Instagram. I've told you that before, Jason. But you know, really cool. I I love the the mentoring that you do on these posts for sure. Yeah, hey, I I, I love giving back. You know, uh, I think I told you this Rob, before. I'm I'm all about telling you about the mistakes I made. Um, you know, I'm I'm a big believer in. You know, why should someone else have to learn the mistakes I already did? You know, if they can just listen to me and not do what I did kind of thing. So I'm, I'm really into that. Yeah, I love how you told me that you uh, failed at just about everything you've done so far. Because I think that really resonates with a lot of us. I mean, yeah. every people who think that you go through life without making mistakes, there are very few of those. And I think the last guy walked the earth about 2,000 years ago. But I mean, other than that, most of us continuously fail, have to pick ourselves back up and continue forward and everything. And you did that quite often throughout your, you know, beginning of your military career even. Yeah. Actually, um, it goes way before that. Um, so I, I think if, if we're going to talk about the, the whole failure stuff, 
we need to start way back when when i was in grade school uh, i've got a really good one for that <laughs> go for it <laughs> all right so uh I wasn't planning on telling the story, but I think it, I, the more I thought about it, it, like a couple couple key pieces came out of it about, you know, kind of tells you a little bit about me. So um, I recycled the second grade and there's, I don't know of anybody else that's done that. It's a that. great way um, to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I, once, once I went, once I got to Ranger Squad, I, started, I called everything a recycle. Every time I failed to recycle. So I recycled the second grade and it has to be the least uh, repeated grade. I, I just, I've never met another person that, that failed the second grade. So I'm like, I don't, either I was an awesome gray man and I was just kind of in the background and no one could tell that I was an idiot. And I just like caught my, you know, I tripped, got tripped up in second grade, but whatever, you know, so um, I had to redo that. And I'll, I'll remember this, this one story from the first time I was going through, we were in these small groups and we were spelling and stuff. And it wasn't, you know, it was just us and like, you know, it was two kids maybe, you know, really small groups. And we had to spell phone and I used an F, F-O-N-E. And this girl just destroyed me. She's like, you're an idiot. Like, it's not how it's spelled. And so it turns out I wasn't an idiot. Wow. I recycled the second grade. And when I when I started the, the second time around, I got all the guys here. I'm like, guys, bring it in. We're going to ask you how to spell stuff here. Phone, it's, it sounds crazy, but it has a PH in it. Don't don't use an F, man. You're going you're gonna to redo this grade. What about food? Did you get food right? Yeah, I got that one right. <laughs> but, you know, so like, what, but... At the end of the day, though, after and I didn't realize this until much later in life, but um, I learned way back in the second grade that things are easier the second time, no matter what you do. So if you fail at something and you get put right back in it, it's always easier the second time. And I think a lot of people, if you've never, you know, gone down that road and taken that step to redo something, you know, voluntarily, you know, you're you're going to miss out on the knowledge that it's just easier the second time. You kind of you, you know what to expect um, and you can make some adjustments. And then I got one little other little story that my mom told me, and this I think this is after I, I finished the Q course. I can't remember when she told me this story, but my parents got called in to the teacher's office, um, and the teacher was like, listen, your son's not doing anything that I can punish him for, but he's instigating other kids to do to break, to break the rules. So he'll like talk to them, and he'll kind of sit back and watch the chaos happen, and these kids will go break the rules. And so like my mom was telling me this after, and I just, you know, it was kind of funny to think about. I mean, I've been a Green Beret since second grade, man. I've been kept causing chaos everywhere I go. Um, you know, so that was like, those are like two little things. You know, I think I I didn't know then, but later on in life, you know, they kind of started to come back out. So I guess, you know, fast forward, the next real tough part of my life was Ranger School. Um, that's a tough one for everyone. Um, I wanted to go to Ranger School more than anything. I wanted that and a CIB. Those are the only two things I wanted, you know, out of my military career. And so I finally got my chance to go to range school, um, and I was—I worked my butt off to get get there. And I was one of four guys out of my infantry officer basic class to get a slot to go. We were the first four guys out of our class to go, because there wasn't a lot of room at that time. They had a bunch of a uh, bunch of recycles, and this was like 2000, 2006. So you know, both wars were were going. You know, all the units were trying to get their guys in there. Um, so there was limited slots, and I got one. You know, I was one of four guys to go, and so I went. And we're in the bending phase, and and the chaplain comes in and comes out to our, our squad. He's like, "Hey, are you guys are you guys all right?" And we're like, "Well, I mean, yeah, we're a little hungry, but yeah, I think we're all right." And like, no, no, no. Like, are you guys working well together? Like, what's the issue here? Like, no, we love each other. This is a great great group of guys. I'm like, what are you talking about? And so they he's like, "You guys are doing really bad. I need to tell you that right now. You guys are doing really, really bad." And so like he walks away, and we're like, "Whatever, man. They're just fucking with us. Like they sent the chaplain over here to scare us, you know." Nine of the thirteen of us recycled. Oh so my clearly, God. yeah. So clearly that that was not he was he was telling the truth, you know. So all right, so I'm like I'm sitting there, 
And I get my little counts, and I come back out, and I meet up with a good buddy of mine, Alex. And Alex, I'll tell you, was a National Guard um, FA officer who had already deployed to Iraq and was getting out of the Army. He had always wanted to go to Ranger School. His unit, you know, he did well overseas on the deployment, so they gave him a shot to go. And so for Alex, this was not, you know, make or break in his career. It was just something he wanted to do. And so, you know, we meet up afterwards out, outside the, you know, the little room where they do the counseling. And uh, he's like, hey, man, it was nice, and, nice to know you. I'm like, yeah, seriously. Here's my phone number. Stay in touch. He's like, "What are you? What are you doing?" I'm like, "What are you? I'm staying here, man. I got to get this thing for my job. You know, I'm an infantry dude. Like, you don't get this. You don't get your job." He's like, "You're staying?" I'm like, "Yeah, I have to." He's like, "Well, all right. I guess I'll stay too." And so, <laughs> so he stays, and we go to the mountains, and then we're in the loser line again, right? So at the end, at the end of the first, at the end of the mountains, we're we're in the line, and Alex and I were the only two that were had recycled previously. We know what line we're in. The other guys in that line don't know what line they're in, and they think, you know, they're they, you know, they're trying to put a rosy picture on it. But we know we're looking at each other like, yeah, no, this is the line. We can t- we can just talk about the guys we're in. We're like, this is the loser line again. I'm like, damn it. So we we get our counseling, go back outside, and I, I meet up with Alex. Alex like, hey man, seriously, awesome, great, great to know you. I'm like, yeah, it was it was a pleasure spending the last you know two months with you. He's like, so what are you what are you gonna do? I'm like, what do you mean, man? I gotta stay. I gotta get this thing. He's like, well. All right, fuck. I guess I guess I'll stay too. So we ended up passing, and I went to his wedding like four years later. But the only re- and he credits me. The only reason he has his tab right now is just because I was I had to I had to get it. You know, I had no other option. And he's like, well, if you're gonna stay, I guess I'll stay. And um, and so like after that experience, you know, I was it, it was a little bit easier because I just never left Ranger School. It's much harder, I think, if you fail and then you get some separation, then you have to come back. Um, I think that's a harder that's a harder road to go down than it is just to, you know, stay there, hunker down, and just you know keep slogging. So ended up ended up passing that, and that was a good, really good experience for just learning how to make adjustments. Whatever I was doing was not right, you know, I was wasn't wasn't successful, but in the course I was able to make make adjustments. I made them so well that I was. <laughs> And at the end of mountains, they had they had me up for like one of the honor graduates of mountain mountain phase the second time, oh, and awesome. it, it took them a minute. And then the range their eyes are like, "Hey, Ranger Dickens, are, are you recycle?" I'm like, "Oh like, yeah." They're like, "Get the fuck out of here, man! You can't be an honor credit." <laughs> so I had all these like major pluses and stuff. I was just killing it the second time. That they did. I was doing so well that they were gonna put me up for honor grad until they realized like, "Yeah, no, this guy's a this guy's a recycle. He's a cheater." <laughs> and then so you know, so that was a uh, you know I. I got it. Uh, I walked away from that experience of knowing they just don't don't walk away without it, you know. And so I decided I've always known I wanted to be a Green Beret. So SFAS, the next thing. I went from training at six and seven thousand feet out in Colorado in the snow to SFAS in June in in Fort Bragg, and that was too much of a transition temperature, humidity-wise, for for my body. The way I trained was just wrong. I was training in the altitude, long distances. You know, above the snow, you know, above the snow line, it just and then coming to Camp McCall, those two things just don't don't make sense. So I was pretty sure I was a heat casualty on my first ruck there. Um, I just didn't get caught until much later. Um, and so I became a heat casualty in in team week. I was 48 hours away from from passing that thing. And, and, I, and I didn't get it. Um, they, I was just overheated. So they sat me down and sent me to the. The TNC, <clears throat> and then um, like an earlier post I did, you know, I was in the loser tent on that one. Um, so it's I've been with the, the losers a lot of times in my life, and I've I've noticed there's a distinct difference between the guys who have the resilient mentality of, hey, this is this is not the end for me, and then the other guys were you're just making sitting there making up excuses, figuring yeah. out 
you know, blaming everybody else. It's never, it's always some other circumstance, you know? And, and so I went, you know, I went through that, went through that event and they allowed me to come back because I was a medical drop. I wasn't, uh, you know, never to return style. So I went to the captain's career course, had six months, um, and, and went, went back. The interesting thing was during the keep, during the career course, they offered you your infantry slots. And so I had a, I was a mechanized infantry officer and they liked us switch us up so i had my options to go to vincenza italy you know go to the airborne unit there hawaii go light out there amazing amazing assignments oh, um, yeah. up in alaska like guys are killing to get these assignments oh yeah definitely. And I, I walked away from all of that to go roll the dice again and go to sfas and and see if i can get this thing but the the penalty for not getting it was the last infantry slot left which was fort hood at the time another mech unit <sighs> So it was, it was, I mean, it was yeah, one of these things yeah. where a lot of the guys that were going to go to SFAS after the career course immediately talked out of it because the, the stakes were too high for them, you know? Well, I, I just wasn't, you know, of that mindset. Um, so I worked, I found some workout partners. We rocked, went to the gym together. The guys that were going to go to the key course uh, or go, go to SFAS again with me. So we all trained together. We went back. And a good friend of mine, Matt, we were who I talked about in that earlier post. Um, he, you know, he and I are, are going back, and we're with a bunch of new, new crop of guys. So we're the only two that had um, had done SFAS before. And Matt got dropped in the exact same event I did, exact same day. It was an overly hot day. Um, they lost. Uh, I forgot. It was like 35 heat casualties that day that they dropped. You know, it was, it was a high number for for the day. Wow. And so Matt and I were going through the going through the motions, you know, we did land nav, did all the, you know, the, the obstacle courses and stuff. And, and you can see, I didn't realize it the first time, but every day you're there, you get a little bit more, um, I don't, maybe it's either confident or cocky. I really can't tell, but everyone's like just a little bit more confident each day because they've passed, you know, sure. I'm still here. I'm still doing right. Well, they don't know what that team week coming. Like they know it's part of it, but they just have no clue what they're about to walk into. And Matt and I did. And Matt and I were coasting the entire SFAS time because we knew it didn't start till team week. Like all that other stuff was just PT test, do a couple rucks, climb some ropes, find some points in the woods. There's nothing anybody can't do. But that team week comes, and that, that thing's that thing will kill you. Um, and so we go right back into it, and to see the guys' faces after those first events, like down pile and some other just hellacious events. And see their faces of just man. They 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 have that look like they don't know if they're going to make it. And you have to be in those positions and know what what that look looks like. But you can tell like there's it's they wear it on their face like I don't know if I, I don't know if I have this man. You know I might not make this. So you know to kind of speed up the story, I get put in charge of the event that I got dropped on. And so I'm like, all right, big man in the sky's got got a sense of humor on this one, you know. <laughs> and so I'm in charge of I'm in charge of the event and the uh, the instructor's like, all right, hey, you got 15 minutes to come up with your plan and then brief brief me and then brief your your team. I'm like, I'm ready to brief you right now. He's like, no, seriously, like you have 15 minutes. He didn't realize I had already done this event, already failed it, and that's the only thing I thought about for like the last 8 months. I got this. Like I have the plan on how to do this right. He's like, all right, man. He didn't believe me. I'm, he's like, I'm, I'm ready to go. So I briefed the plan, the work to rest cycle, which I'm not going to get into because I don't want to give away any kind of like, right. you know, for tricks. I'm sure they're still doing that event. But, you know, going through that, I had one friend that one of my workout partners was in that team with me. Everyone else did not think my plan was going to work. And the entire time we were doing, going, going down that road, it was like about six mile movement. The entire time we were doing it, they were fighting me as far as like, hey, the plan's wrong. You know, I, I had had the experience i've been there before i failed it before i knew the plan that i was executing was the right one i think if that was my first time 
failing at something and trying again. I don't know if I would have had like the, the strength to, to go against everybody else on that team and say, no, nah, I got this. I know what I'm doing. We're, we're going to be fine. And we ended up passing the time standard, which is actually really hard in team week. A lot of teams don't do that. And we, we made it by like three minutes. You know, it wasn't, we weren't making break any speed records, but you know, we passed the event and we didn't lose anybody, which I know from previous selections, when you start losing guys on your team, the events get harder. They, you know, like there's still, you still have to move all that weight, you know, and just, you just have less guys that you have to help you do that. So my whole goal, I was telling them like, Hey, we're going to try to finish together as a group or else we're going to be hurting in the next event. You know, none of them, none of them believe me. Um, and so even when we, even when we passed all, almost all of my peers were like, doesn't listen to peer, you know, fellow, fellow dudes. And, and the, the, the instructors like, were like, Hey man, yeah, all your peers say you're just like not a good leader because you don't listen to them. You know, I'm like, did we, were we successful? Like to me, I was like, what, what are we grading on here? Like, because they didn't like how I did it, but do we do we finish? Because I feel good. I'm, I'm I finished that one, you know. So I got that monkey off my back. Um, you know, I got that monkey off my back, and I, I was able to take that with me. And, and then again in the Q course, this is a not an example of a time I failed, but it's a good one for everyone else. Is that we were doing a diagnostic road march um, before uh, a timed event, and it was September, unseasonably hot that day. Two hundred guys trying. It was a 12-mile road march, nothing anybody hasn't done before, um, you know, standard weight, nothing crazy. Um, Three-hour standard. Ten, I think less than ten guys passed. Wow. I was, yeah. Because I was already a heat casualty, I know what the feeling feels like, and I just shut myself down. Um, so I was one of the last guys, and I was feeling bad for my. I was walking. I was a lonely, lonely walk. I was probably one of the last guys out there, and I was just walking. And I felt I was getting down on myself. I'm like, man, how, how did you let this happen? It's just a 12-mile rough. So they put me in the back of this pickup truck, and unbeknownst to me, I'm driving down this road in the back of it, and there was just a sea of rucks along the side of the road. Nobody nobody was passing that thing. I didn't realize how bad it was because I was by myself in that part of the course. Well, the next day, no one was talking in formation. Like, everyone was just beaten down. And then we went back to go take the actual test, and I had did a couple diagnostic i did a diagnostic on myself on the same ground we were going to walk i didn't you know it was like thanksgiving weekend i did a 12 mile road march i came in the time was great everything was good so i had the confidence going into this event i've watched 200 of some of the strongest guys i've ever seen just absolutely nervous about a 12 mile road march something that they have passed their entire life is because it was the first time they failed it like that's a very simple simple right. test right. you know put 45 pounds in your back and go for do 12 miles in under three hours. That's very, very simple. None of those guys have ever failed that before. They failed it that one time and it crushed them. It was, I wish there was, I wish we had like a psychologist out there just to, to see it, well, to see what I was seeing. I'm like, I could not believe what I was watching. You know, it was almost like the, where you're, you're about to jump out, uh, you know, the plane, but the weather comes in and then they cancel the jump. Like everyone's got that, you know, they're all quiet beforehand, but then as soon as the jump gets canceled, everyone's like smoking and joking, having a good time. Like, yeah, where were you like 20 minutes ago when you thought you were jumping out of the plane, you know? <laughs> like it was that attitude that I was seeing from, from these guys. And I was just, it was just really interesting because a lot of the guys that go to Ranger School, uh, SFAS, all this stuff, you know, they, they haven't failed a lot in their life, you know? Um, so they have a hard time when that failure does come because this might be their first time. Like if you're in, if you're 30 and it's the first time you've ever failed something. Yeah, that's tough. You know, that that's tough, you know? And so for, for I, 
sitting from my vantage point, I have had all these like you know little mini struggles that you know a lot of a lot of people have had, but stringing them together and realizing that, man, I literally can't fail at anything. You just don't let yourself quit. You know, it's one of those things where. But the the key to it is you have to sit back and assess why you failed. Um, you know, if you just fail and, and throw yourself right back into it without making some adjustments, you're going to fail again. So there's there has to be some sort of analytical introspective sit back like really di- diagnose what went wrong come up with a plan to fix it and then immediately retack it as soon as possible like go go get that go slay that dragon because that thing will that thing will haunt you for a very long time so you know those are i think from my career like those were like those those couple of things i lean on um and i've i'm taking that with me into the civilian world too and i'm i'm really looking forward to you know starting starting my own business because i know it's just going to be Failure after failure, readjust, yeah. tweak things. You know, like nothing's gonna go right. Not, I have this awesome plan that I love. That I'm falling in love with the plan. Like the plan's awesome, and I can't wait to see how bad it is. You know, because <laughs> I know it is. Like you know, like if, if you've been in the army before, you know the plans aren't aren't aren't. You know, they're they're never the end all be all. Like you're gonna something's gonna hit me in the face out there, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing what that is. Um, well, definitely as yeah, an entrepreneur, so I, I mean, you you fail over and over. Most companies don't succeed. I mean, it's basically your track record all over again of what you've seen of the carnage that ends up being on the side of the road. And so many people think that becoming an entrepreneur is great because they see those that succeeded and they don't see the journey that brought them there. They don't see the failures yeah. that happened. They don't see the perhaps the relationships that were lost, the you know the right. houses, the cars, or whatever that they had to put up and. Um, hawk or whatever so they could get the funding to get stimulated back into their business and so they all they all they see is the success at the end of the road in the case of what your stories or what you described they look at the side of your arm and they see ranger tab they see special forces they they see a cib they see this guy that was successful and they don't hear the story that brought you there right yeah no exactly yeah and that's that's i think there needs to be more of that out there like people need to know going into these things that they're no matter what you're doing in life, you know you're gonna you're gonna run into that wall at some point, um, and you gotta you gotta be able to you know pick yourself up and analyze what went wrong and figure out how to go over around it through it whatever. Yeah. Because um, I'm reading a, a a book right now and there's a whole chapter on like how important it is to be resilient as an entrepreneur. You know, like it's and it's I'm it's the buzzword now. It's literally, I mean, you can't go anywhere without seeing the word now. But I don't see a lot of people that are either talking about how to become resilient or or they're not enough people showing you know their mistakes and showing how you know they they got to overcame things um and i think that's that's something that we need a little more of um a little more humility out there just like talking about every failure you've had and what what went wrong what and it's always what did you do wrong you know like it's never it's never the situation you know it was just it was always me well, Mike, I did something. Mike was uh, an instructor there and saw some of the same things. I mean, Mike shared a story of his own where he got off the truck. It was pouring down rain and all these guys just wanting to quit and see the same look of, you know, that you talked about. And actually, I think it was for the ruck, wasn't it, Mike, at that time? No, it was for, it was back when I went through military orienteering. And I don't know when Jason went through. I think you were doing land nav. We didn't do land nav back in the mid early 90s when I went through. Mm-hmm. But I, I'd like to share a similar story. There's one thing that I keep hearing in, in what Jason's saying, and it's – uh. You know, he, did, he, he was never alone in any of this. You talk about second grade. You talk about getting the guys together, right? And, and and how, hey, you know, giving them a clue into what's going on. And you talked about ranger school when you were staying and you had a buddy who decided to stay with you. And then the same thing in your story about the tent. You had a buddy who was there with you. I mean, you're never yep. 
in my opinion, whenever whenever you're, you you've, you've seen this this aspect of failure or whatever, yeah, maybe you did something wrong and maybe you you, you weren't successful, but there's always somebody else that you can lean on. And and, and it seems that I'm and I'm just reading McCraven's book, um, Pick Your Bed, and that's chapter two is to find somebody uh, who you can share this with because in your times your greatest adversity you need to you need to lean on somebody else. And, and I commented on your story about the the ammo carry uh, when it came out here a couple of days ago. And and I got to tell you, man, I, I I was skating through SFAS. I thought SFAS was one of the easiest things I'd gone to, aside from not eating very much and not sleeping very much. The walk and the running. I mean, I did more yep. pull-ups than anybody in my class SFAS. I, I I thought that this was the easiest thing that I could do. And then I got to the the team events, and and there were five days of team events. And the first three days was either carrying something on your back or, or building some stupid contraction and pulling or pushing mm-hmm. it. And I man, those were easy. I thought this yeah. is this is I'm gonna I'm gonna be <laughs> So there's an honor grad SFAS. It's me, and then, and then the last two events. Day number four was the Hamel Creek carry, and and it was the absolute worst day of my life. And, and here's something because I've always been pretty successful at things, but here's something that I wasn't good at, and yeah. and I couldn't do anything about it. There's nothing I could do, and, and I, I wrote in there that you know my, the grip strength in my in my left hand was gone. My forearm was completely shot. I couldn't do anything to carry that ammo crate on the left hand side, uh, and it just kept. You know, I, I, trying to get the rope down into the glove, and the SFAS mm-hmm. instructor would see it, and he'd, hey, take your glove off, carry it with your bare hand. I'm not going to let you carry yeah. that in your glove like that. You're not going to be able to build something to make it easier. And I thought, this is it. I'm going down. Uh, and then it was blazing hot. It was October, but for, for whatever reason, it was like, it seemed like yeah, it, it just doesn't thousand, matter. It doesn't matter what, what time to go. Now yeah, I'm going down from heat. <laughs> I've never gone down from heat. And, and so it's just, it's just awful. And suddenly, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get to the story, Robert. I know you're on. No, you're good, man. Um, there's a guy who's on the crate with me, uh, and his name is Jesse Carrillo. We became great friends later on. He went on to serve at very, very high levels in the army. Um, but, but Jesse kept looking at me and said, "Hey, brother, switch sides with me. You know, if you can only go 30 seconds on your left side, that's that's cool. Switch sides with me." So I switched sides and I carried the majority of the thing with my right hand. Um, the next day, I got put in charge of the event. And that, that was the, the ammo crate carry about broke me. The next day, we we're out on the old rifle range. And uh, there's two events they do on the rifle range. One is either the sand babies, where you make sandbags, you carry them on your yeah. shoulders. God, I was praying for that. Um, but, but, but the, <laughs> the, the, alter- <laughs> the alternative activity was the pails of pain. And, yeah. and it's, it's little buckets, right, with little wire handles. And you fill it up with the same amount of sand. So you've got about 30 pounds of sand in each bucket. And you've got to do this several times. It's a 500-meter off range with two berms on it, and, uh, and I'm the guy that gets picked to be in charge, right? So it's the last It's the last day. It's the last event. The, the grip strength event yesterday, these are structured, right? We're doing grip strength events the last two days, Yeah. and, uh, and it, it got me again. I could not carry a freaking pail in my left hand, and there's Jesse. And every time, I'm, I'm falling over. That's just carrying two pails in one of his hands anytime the cadre wasn't watching. So and to me, the lesson in that is – Man, you can't do it yourself. SF is not about individual skills. It's not about being the best, the smartest, the fastest, or, or the most physically fit. And although we're very competitive, what keeps us together in everything is that element of teamwork and picking up somebody when they've fallen or, or, or being able to lean on somebody when you're struggling. And, uh, and that's that's the lesson I've taken away from SFAS for really my entire life. And I've used that so many times because, man, I thought I was the best guy in the Army. I thought I was great going to SFAS. And that was a, a dose of humility Oh, yeah. that I had never had before and something that I've had to look back on several times in my career. And, in, you know, since Robert knows the struggles I've had in grad school, but, um, 
I, I lean on people so much uh, that that it because I know I can't do it alone. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, it's like a. I think that's that's a great point to bring up. That I'm really not. I, I probably wasn't saying enough about the other people that were there with you because it's it, you know, like when you are down at that low, when you're at your at your lowest, there's always another dude there. There's always somebody else there. That's and for whatever reason, that day, that time, that specific moment, that guy's got the strength, and you don't, you know. And then there'll be a time when he doesn't have the strength, and you do. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where, and I've, I've, I'm, I'm not struggling with this, but I just don't. I wish there was a way to recreate some of the the SFAS events in a civilian form for like the beer bottle shop I work at, like. To have a group of people that have gone through something together, you know, that's that's just soul sucking. Like the thing just crushing you. Um, you know, if you haven't been to that level of just that depth of despair when you're when you're trying to trying to accomplish something, like, you know, it's it's. A, I, I miss being around the people that were. We've all had that shared, uh, you know, time, and we weren't all together. But I know, you know, no matter what time I went to that unit, there'd be someone there, and that we all have that same story of man, I I almost didn't make it. You know, and this, yeah, it this gives you a frame of reference, thing. right? Yep. It gives you a frame yep. of reference when things really start to suck and, and how you've seen adversity and overcome it in the past. And then, you know, you know that whatever's in front of you today, man, it, it's only today. It's only time. And I've been through this type of time before and, and uh, you know, it's going to pass. Yeah. And I'm, I'm worried about like, you know, getting I'm definitely getting soft. I'm worried. Like, I, I don't check the weather anymore because I work indoors. Like, I've, I don't care. Like, <laughs> like, like someone someone was complaining the other day. It was like an off. I forgot where it was. It was like a front office. I'm like, oh, I just hate my, I just hate when it's raining. I'm like, oh, you hate this, like, that God gives us this water and, and gives all the all the, all the the food to you. Like, like how is this rain impacting your day at all? You're sitting, like, I almost, I was like, just, my, my brain was just going 100 miles an hour. I'm like, don't say anything. I'm like, yeah, no, it sucks when it rains. It's horrible. It makes me think when, when Forrest Gump is crossing the creek and the water splashing <laughs> up in his face, right? That that's when rain affects you personally. Yeah. Well, but I'm like, I'm at this point now where like, you know, the 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 outside of you know, the outside events just don't affect me like like they used to, you know, where you had to like you did have to care about, you know, the weather because it, it's gonna make your day really shitty if, it, if you don't pay attention to it. Well even the young kids um, that you're coaching now in football, Mike, I mean, you think about the challenges they have to go through if it's pouring down rain if it's snowing if it's whatever i mean as a young kid that's a great time for you to be able to impact their mentality and their mental toughness to understand that hey life is not always going to paint you an indoor facility uh to practice in or an indoor facility to uh, to play the game in you know when the when the time and the green light goes on you've got to be able to go through whatever adversity you're going to go through and accomplish the objective and if you start yeah. framing that early in life and understanding and embracing the suck really is what we're talking about too, then yeah. then you're going to be more successful the more times you see the failure come because then you know how to go through it, that you have to drive through it too. Yeah, and I, I think, Robert, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, I spent three days with my freshmen coming in this year. Uh, these guys were state champion eighth graders last year. They're an excited, great group of kids who haven't seen a real dose of adversity yet. And I, I think that uh, some of the teams that we play are going to, are going to show us a different look, and we're going to have to work through some of that this year. So I'm excited about sharing some of those stories with them. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a great time. I, you can really I, make an impact. I was I was going to say I'm like I'm really um, just now that like I was sitting back and thinking about the the podcast and what I talked about. I've, I I didn't really think about it before, but it's absolutely liberating to know that it doesn't matter. I'm never going to fail. Like I'll figure out 
I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with a, on a roadblock, but it's just an obstacle, and I'll figure out a way around it. You know, and and that having that mentality is you know you only get that by putting yourself out there and failing. Um, and something I, I you know when I was writing that I was just kind of scribbling that that post out real quick. I wasn't really you know thinking about it too hard, but the I think you know the line in there like you have to you have to put yourself out there and fail. You know, like you're not gonna get you're no, you don't build resiliency through success. You know, it has to come from from making mistakes and not achieving your, your goal. Um, so, you know, I was, I always look at, there's so many people out there, um, that are just, I don't know, to me, it seems like they're laying up their shot, you know, like you just not giving your, your best. Like if you, if you're not sick, if you're not failing, you know, if you're not out of your comfort zone routinely, like you're, you're not, you're not giving your best. You're not doing everything you possibly can. Right the now the you have. Yeah. Yeah. Too many people, I think just trying to kind of go through the motions, they, they measure up, they sit back and they watch and observe and they measure up what's going on. And they feel like, okay, if I only got to give 60%, I'm only going to give 60%. They don't realize that, no, it's not about that. It's about pushing yourself to the point where you're having to give a hundred percent. And you realize that what you thought was a hundred percent is not your ceiling, that it actually goes right. much higher than that, you know? And so yeah, I, I I had an old platoon sergeant when I was really young that, that told me that, you know, what do you get when you do something right? Practice. That's what you're doing. You're practicing. But you don't get experience until you've done something really, really wrong. Because those experience is what you lean back on when you have a challenging aspect. You don't lean back on the things you did right all the time. You lean back and learn lessons from the things that you really did wrong. That's when you have growth and that's when you learn. So I'm putting together this uh, banner for my classroom next year to go right across as biggest letters that I can, I can find that says embrace failure. And it's going to go right on the top of the wall when the kids walk in, and nobody's going to know what it means. But, man, embracing failure, that's thats when you really experience true growth. When you do something wrong is when you learn you have the ability to evolve a little bit. If you do it right all the time, you're just practicing the same things over and over. And there's an aspect of that that's important. But when you do something wrong, you can really you, you face that challenge that you can overcome in a different way, and it's going to take growth to do it. Even in leadership, yeah. how many times have you – I don't know if you guys have ever run into a situation where – um, senior leadership has said, hey, listen, I, I noticed that you kind of delegate and and you're letting the people go out there. And, and what we want to see is getting, you know, you as a leader getting your hands dirty. It's like, no, you got to let them, you got to empower them. You got to let them grow. And the only way they're going to grow is to fail over and over again. Yeah. And that's where you come as in a leader and, and as a mentor and go, okay, listen, let's talk about what just happened there. What occurred? How can we, you know, modify this and make this better for you? And afterwards, they come back and, and appreciate what you taught them and the lessons that you gave them. But in some cases, leaders who have never gone through that type of failure or seen that as a true leadership trait see that more of, okay, well, you're just not doing your job as a leader, too. Um, that you're you're not the one that's actually trying to do the um, leadership and making the failures. You're allowing that to go down. And I think that's part of the growing experience. If we're not doing that and teaching young leaders and junior leaders to make those mistakes, then we're not going to have true successful leaders later on in life, too. I, I think I was, I was just reading something about, um, I forgot what business form it was, but they were talking about, um, you know, monetary mistakes in business. You know, so you have an employee that makes a $100,000 mistake. You know, a lot of companies, that's a fireable offense in a lot of places. But the, the whole crux of the story was, you know, that is a perfect example, perfect person to, you know, retrain, get them back out there. And yeah. they won't make that one hundred thousand dollar mistake again. And you're if by firing that person, you're losing that experience. Is what you were talking about, you know. As far as like, you have to have that, you know, you get that experience with the failure part. And so a lot of businesses they end up, they end up shedding, 
some good life lesson experiences that they could keep within their ranks. And, 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 and that story, that $100,000 loss that that guy made, he, he can then look to left and right and make sure no one else is going to make that same mistake, you Absolutely. know, that type of I, thing. So I read the same book. I can't remember what it's called either, but, but I, yeah. I remember the, the, the other side of that is, is I'm already invested in this guy, a hundred thousand dollars. I've right. got to build him. I've got to bring him back and make the money back for the business. So, you know, you're doing two things. One, you're, you're showing loyalty to an individual who's made a critical mistake at a time when he could be flushed down the toilet. And then you're also you're, you're, you're bringing them back up by letting them work through that little bit of adversity by themselves and overcome it. And you're right. They're not going to do it again. I'd be interested to get Larry Broton's opinion on that sometime, yeah. Robert. I mean, it'd yeah. be great to have him comment on this. Yeah. So I guess, you know, kind of like some of my, you know, the stuff that I've been putting together here is that it's you have you have to put yourself out there to fail. And that only through that failure are you able to kind of build those experiences that allow you to truly be successful later on, you know. And it's and they're they're little bits, little bits of failure here and there. They all compound, you know. I think I think when you fail, you and then you re you assess what went wrong, you fix the deficiencies and reattack, you know. You become more resilient. But I think it's probably in magnitude of you know, um, it's exponential. It's got to be exponential, you know, growth. Because every time I do fail. I get that much stronger next time, and uh, and I feel it. You know, every time I've had a mistake, you know, and I come back and fix it, you know, I, I I've got this confidence in, in me deep down inside that I know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fail anymore. You know that that's not happening. Um, so I I think that's that's one of those things where like you have to, if anybody's listening to this, you have to go out there and fail, and then immediately fix that deficiency and go right back at that exact same problem. If you walk away from that failure. And leave it a failure. Um, you know, you're missing an opportunity to truly, truly find some greatness out there. That's a great way to end the podcast, Jason. Boom, we're done. I thought I thought you sent him a note that said, "Wrap it up, Robert." <laughs> I, it was a great summary right there. So yeah, we just we just wrapped it up. That's that's great. Nice. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at Mentors, the number four M-I-L, and please subscribe to our podcast. It's free, and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show. We have several options depending upon your device, and we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio. Hey everyone, Robert here. I love supporting veteran-owned companies and Mentors for Military recently partnered with Skeleton Optics to offer a 10% discount to our listeners. That's right, 10%. These aren't your regular run-of-the-mill sunglasses, by the way. The frames are handcrafted in Italy with Zeiss Vision lenses. Use the code mentors for mil or mentors the number 4 mil at SkeletonOptics.com and you'll receive your 10% discount automatically at checkout. Hurry up and get on over there to support a veteran-owned company.